All right, Leafs talk. J.D. Bunkus, Anthony Petrelli filling in for Jackie Redmond. Last minute changes. We've got fill-ins all over the place. We got a new AP on the show that I'm I'm learning of this right as we're starting the show name, Mike Jose. Hell yeah, Mike Jose. You you're crushing it. You you did it. You've done your job. Jackie Redmond, not so much, for getting her microphone adapter as she travels, as she gallivants around the globe. Uh, going basically everywhere. I think she's in New Orleans for WWE. I'm not a wrestling guy, so I don't really know. Anyways, Leafs win. Leafs win. You said you wanted to be here for a Leafs win, and then I did. your wish is uh, our command. The Leafs get it done. I loved tonight's game. I felt like they just locked it down. They smothered a bad team. They came out with purpose, and yet it was clinch your butt cheeks because somehow they just they scrape by and end up only having a one-goal win against a team that they just utterly outclassed. Yeah, I mean, it's a bit of a weird one, right? To to your point, it felt at one point like it should have been mm-hmm. four or five nothing, four or five Easily. one, and at the same time, Seattle scores, and then the very next shift they get a breakaway, and at the end of the game, you know, basically the third period, the Leafs really controlled it, definitely in the first half, but the second half, it's mm-hmm. you know, obviously Seattle's going to make a push, they're losing, and it started to get that feel of. You know, is there going to be a weird one that goes to the net or something like to that effect? And at the end of the day, I was looking at the high danger chances for the night five on five, and it was nine, eight Seattle. And I don't like that. Yeah. And the game didn't feel like that, but it didn't. But when you look at a lot of it, the Leafs just were very casual on the perimeter tonight. Mm -hmm. I thought, you know, they were happy to have the puck. They liked having it, but they weren't getting it inside. And I thought Seattle really collapsed on them defensively which meant that the points were wide open which i think we saw all night but their defensemen are just really really poor with the puck like Mm. it is a problem they just they couldn't get anything going when the puck went back to the point and i noticed it last night in vancouver and i thought it was really glaring today i I don't know if you noticed but marner gets the puck now at the at the top of the point when he pulls up high and he just actively looks off the defenseman unless it's riley like he doesn't even he's never passing it to them he just he's like no i know i know what'll happen here and i'm just not doing it well i wonder like it's an interesting point because clearly they don't want to have giordano be playing back-to-backs it's i I didn't feel like this warranted the the former team even though he was (laughs) their captain former captain (laughs) yeah it was a weird one because normally that would be a, a very strange night to pull a veteran but based on his play the night before uh and just given that he's the oldest player in hockey, it just, it felt like the right move to do it. Timmons has a horrible play to start the game where he just about kills somebody, puts the Leafs behind on, yeah, uh, like they give up a power play to just immediately start this game. It gets chippy to start it. And I'm thinking, oh my God, this Timmons thing is going to backfire. I thought he played all right tonight, but maybe part of this was just Sheldon Keefe looking for somebody to provide a little bit of a spark offensively. You're right, they were on the points. And I will say that, how dare you discredit Simon Benoit's near goal? That was close. <laughs> that was as close as I think he might get all season long. But so much of this game was just Toronto. Like, I don't know what you think about their defense. Maybe that's where we can go. And if you thought you saw something like much better defensively, I just think that so much of why Seattle didn't have shots is that Toronto had the puck the entire game. Yeah. And I mean, it's important that we note too that that's a really bad Seattle roster tonight. They're missing mm-hmm. a bunch of guys. There's a flu bug going through their team. Yanni Gord's suspended and and he's a big piece of it. So, you know, 
no sympathy from the Leafs. I mean, mm-hmm. Joseph Wold should probably be their starter, and he hasn't played for months on end. So you're gonna, it's gonna be hard to find, you know, any Leaf fan crying about some other team's injuries because no one's giving the Leafs a break when they've had bad goaltending pretty consistently now for almost a month. So, you know, it's it is important to note though, you're right. They did they did outclass them they, the way that you would expect them to. It just ultimately you kind of look at that Seattle team and go, there really wasn't much juice there. I mean, how how many guys on that team could visibly create anything? Bjorkstrand, McCann, basically that's mm-hmm. it. Yeah, to your high danger point though, I, I will say this. I, I think it's a little misleading tonight, especially considering they, yeah. they count them as attempts, right? And if yeah. you think about like Samsonov has three saves that are, I'm guessing, high danger chances all in one go. Then he has two that are all in one go. And then Seattle is kind of pushing later in the game as Toronto is just basically completely collapsed and saying, take anything outside of the perimeter. A couple of them get through. Like if we're going to do Seattle had nine high danger chances, I feel like you can at least say six of them came on the same place. Yeah. Same two plays. It's also fair to note Samsonov had like a 10 out of 10 save to keep the game tied late in the yes. third period there. That cross ice pass and the one-timer, another mm-hmm. showing it right here. It was kind of, you were watching it going, oh my God, it's happening. You know, mm-hmm. it, was, it was that feeling the second you saw the stick go up and that pass was coming through it. That was an incredible save. Honestly, like, really that nice. second view just made it even better. Live, you went, oh my God, what just happened? The, the mm-hmm. second view of it, it's, wow, he fully stretched out. He got it. There was a play in the second too where, Seattle was jamming on the side and he kind of like lifted his pad yeah, off the ground. Next. Yeah. And another just, you know, he was, he was really good tonight. I think that's, the, he's obviously the biggest positive for them out of the game. And it's like, is this guy rolling now a little bit? Yeah. Well, th- this is my biggest thing. And you can say, Hey JD and in the chat, you can light me up all you want <laughs> this. Cause this is gonna be a little hot takey. I think that when the camera showed his eyes after he made that, game saver the two ones are well they're both two one actually the the jam play there in the second but the one in the third period that he makes the 10 beller that you referenced the one that we showed first the camera takes a a shot of him and it just shows his face and i went he's locked in that that got him back i wanted to tweet the video of that kid on the football team the i think i got my swagger back (laughs) and he's doing the bat when that's samson off right now i just didn't want to jinx the leafs and put that tweet out and then two seconds later you know pucks he's fishing yeah so this is the thing it he looked good it was a really nice performance for him given that he did have to make those big high danger saves like what if we're saying that there was nine high danger opportunities against samson off tonight how many shots did seattle finish with that's more than half of the shots they had yeah, they were, they were, it was a low, it's, it's unfortunate because I, I believe the final count is Samsonov gets credited with 16 saves tonight. Yeah. And he was way better than that. You know, that's what I mean. It's just one of those, one of those seasons for him where even when things go well, it doesn't juice the numbers and cook the books the way that you'd want it to. But this is also why it was important that they kept him in the loop. I know, I know a lot of fans were kind of, you know, going, you know, mm-hmm. send this guy to Siberia kind of thing basically two weeks ago, not that long ago. And I'm certainly not going to victory lap, you know, a one goal against performance against the Seattle team. But Mm -hmm. I think he's showing signs of life and 
he is a really talented goalie. He was excellent last year. And the thing that I've always kind of gone back to is he actively outplayed Andre Vasilevsky last year in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Like that was the best Leafs goalie performance we've seen since Belfour. To be fair, Vasilevsky was terrible. Yeah, he was. Too. He was. But Samsonov <laughs> like, was excellent. Guys, yes, he was. Like, he was. He like was. The Leafs sure got actively good. outplayed in that series. Yeah. Like they go nowhere with just even mm-hmm. solid, you know, seven out of ten, maybe even eight out of ten goaltending in that series. He was he was exceptional. So, mm-hmm. and they have they've had no playoff goaltending this entire run. He's the only guy that's really ever provided it. And then he got hurt against Florida, and and then Joseph Wald's come in. So, I. I'm happy they didn't give up on him. Like I'm just on a personal level, I'm rooting for the guy. And it's nice to kind of see it. I hope it's something that gets him rolling and gets his mind right heading into the all-star break. They have two games coming up. To me, he starts the next game. He 100%. is more talented goalie than Martin Jones. You know, no, he's a hundred percent starting the next game. It would be uh, a, a complete mistake by the Leafs to not do that. One Martin Jones does look a little worn down. He is coming off of his worst game. And I've made this point on the show before, but Sheldon Keefe is totally a ride the hot hand guy. Like there's a reason yeah. why he has the most regulation wins. Like he's like, what top see he, he's top two, I think in regulation win percentage in his career, like out of all coaches, that's it's probably dipped a little bit this year. Maybe it's, maybe it's come off of top two, but the guy, the guy is going to press the right buttons when it comes to the goaltender. He's going to give Samsonov another go here. And I would imagine, yeah, there's no way in hell he's not starting across from Connor Hellebuck on Wednesday night. I think, I think the biggest thing with, with Keith, and I think this game is a good example because they won. So maybe some cooler heads kind of prevail. I know everyone's fired up after a loss and all those kinds of things, but that was not a good Seattle team. And Mm -hmm. And what what was the recipe for victory? It was, you know, if you go look at it right now, Marner played 22 and a half minutes. Matthews played 2151. Mm-hmm. You know, Nylander was actually 1857. So not maybe as high as you would expect. But then you kind of look at the back half of that forward lineup. Domi 1015 had a really nice assist. Gregor 1109. Yarncrock 1132. Holmberg 1052. And I thought Holmberg was excellent tonight. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, you know, Robertson played 852 and he scored. So it's basically half the forward group gets disregarded against a really poor opponent. And it's, it's the best way I can explain it is I think that he's a bit of a, with this roster, a high, a high floor, but maybe a low ceiling kind of coach in the way that he deploys it. Because mm-hmm. by and large, when you play your, your stars as much as he does, you're going to win. Like they're really good players. You're, you know, Matthew scored an excellent goal tonight. That was an unreal finish by him. You know, most other players score that goal and it's highlight real stuff. Matthews does it at this point and you just kind of shrug and go, oh, okay, he scored again. But you know, it was an amazing goal. I think the problem is you can't lean on guys the way that he does. And you can't disregard half of your roster the way that he does. And I also don't think they're top guys as good as they are. You know, we kind of saw it recently against Edmonton and Colorado. Those top players handled them. And I thought, like, pretty handily, to be honest. Mm. You know, they had yeah. no answer for McKinnon. And Keith was after the game talking about, those guys aren't the NHL. You know, those are the top yeah. teams. And so your advantage isn't going to be playing those top guys. And we've seen them come out empty how many times in the playoffs, including Barkoff last year, easily handling Matthews in the second round. 
And so when you look at half your forward group, you're playing a really bad team, second half of back to back, and you can't even build even three lines that you trust. I just longer term, big picture thinking. I just think it's entirely problematic. Like fundamentally, I just disagree with that approach. Yeah. I, I think though, if you're Keith to defend him in this one, if he loses this hockey game, yeah, he, he, he knows he like he knows yeah. this might be it. And yeah. so he he's coaching for his life. And I will say yeah. if you're doing like the positives for this team, we talked about how yesterday, yesterday night, they don't come out prepared. What do they yeah. do tonight? They're on the second half of back to back. They came out with purpose to start the game. They like, were good. There, there was no lull for them outside of in the second period, they give up that goal. And then there was like a little bit of a frenetic period where Seattle was kind of controlling the play. They get uh, a breakaway opportunity, which goes off the post, which again, this game goes maybe a little bit different if they bury that one. It's a beautiful stretch pass from, I think it was Larson to Bjorkstrand. Can't happen though. Guys just constantly get behind their defense. For sure. No, not a good play. But I'm saying outside of that little stretch and then the end of the game where Seattle is like really trying to press it to them between like five minutes to the two minute mark where then Toronto just kind of took over the play. I thought that they were engaged. Their star players yeah. really stepped up in this game. Again, Matthews and Marner were brilliant. I thought that uh, Nyes, I don't even want to get into it again. It was just an up and down performance where I noticed him more for good reasons. Like I thought that he had more jump, yeah. but then I also am seeing some of the horrible turnovers. And I did have the thought at times of going, Marner and Matthews, if we're doing the whole the McKinnon this one to end the period was I thought really bad like oh that yeah just... that one was bad and then there was another one uh in the second that I got Joe to clip where he's in the offensive zone and he funnels a puck instead of just shooting it towards the net he tries to make some kind of like fil- this one here this, this this to me is bad habits I would yeah. actually pay a significant amount of money to go and find out if he went to the bench and someone actually pulled him over and said, never pass that again. You shoot the puck when you get yeah, that shoot, chance. Shoot the puck, yeah. And 100%. I bet you nobody did because that's how Marner plays and that's who he's playing with. Hmm. And Marner can do it because he's like a top 10 forward in the league. Yeah. Nice cannot do that. You have to walk in and you have to shoot the puck like that. That is such a simple decision. I think in, you know, it's it's no... He's got it loaded up too. Like it's just yeah, shoot it. It's not a knock on on Matthews and Marner, but I do find that he's picking up the habits and trying to play with them and play like them. And you can't do that. You know what, though? I think that's kind of a natural thing for a young player. Like yeah. that's any profession in any walk of life. Yeah. You, you, when I first started doing radio, I'm doing imitations of Bill Simmons, right? Like yeah. that's, that's what you do. <laughs> You, you emulate the people who are better than you. I think that he will find himself. There are too many of those probably plays, but. To, to finish that point, it was just that in the McKinnon stuff and how they get outclassed in the bar, the thought I had tonight is it really does feel like Matthews and Marner, they're so good. They're basically playing just two on, you know, yeah, they're, they are. They're, they're a two line line. They're, yeah, they're just two man line. Yeah. Yeah. There's, that's it. It's these two guys that just completely dominate. And Nyes was good on the, the gold that gets created, right? He, yeah, he was. makes a strong play with a stick along the wall, gets it down to Marner. Marner makes just a beautiful pass and then. Bourne did a really good job during the intermission of pointing out that that Matthews pull through is something that is becoming a bit of a signature for him. He's done it now three times and scored goals on it since the Islanders game. But yeah, overall, they, they got to find these two a winger. They like they have to find somebody that works because Pontus Holmberg wasn't doing enough. Matthew Nyes is creating some of these mistakes. I was shocked that Nyes was on the ice to close the game with them. I went, wow, that's. I was happy for him, though. That's a nice, hopefully, confidence boost for him. 
I was I was also shocked. I thought for sure it would be Yarn Croc. Oh, um, no. Yarn Croc's minutes being as low as they were is, was really surprising to me when you just read it out. Yeah, I honestly I I wonder about him too as he kind of gets caught a little bit I think in just the overall how Keith feels about the team, which mm. is I need to put him on the third line to protect Domi. Mm. And otherwise, I think based on everything we've seen of every player they have on their roster, he seems to be the best fit right now with Matthews and Marner. If you were going to say just like fully, you know, obviously Nylander would be a better player there. They, they can't do that to that degree. But beyond Nylander, Yarncroft was excellent there last season. He had 20 goals. And, you know, I think he provides more consistency than Nyes. Obviously more consistency and, and he can actually shoot the puck compared to Holmberg. And then, you know, who are your options after that? Bertuzzi really struggled there and is not producing at all right now. And then it's, you know, the Noah Gregors and the Nick Robertsons and the Bobby McMahons of the world, which are obviously non-starters in the conversation. And somehow Max Domi is one of probably the only forwards in the league that actively gets worse when he goes from center to wing. You know, most guys are the other way around. It's like, they go from wing to center and they struggle. No, no, I, I think that if, if it was up to me, like, you know, in your column, you always do the five things I'd do. Yeah. I would give, I, I would be pretty much at the point now where I'd be trying Domi on the top line with those two guys as a winger. Like I, I would give that, I would give that a look because during the broadcast during the intermission, they were talking about how, you know, Bourne has an idea of potentially moving Tavares up to the wing. And I'm going, this team is just frank. They're they're not deep enough down the middle. There's just no way yeah. to replicate Tavares. And I thought, by the you way, Tavares was solid to tonight, sign. right? Yeah, but th- let's. I don't believe yeah. in that. I just I think we've seen enough of it. And if you want to try it, sure, it's the regular season. But this year they don't have the luxury because they're chasing points too. Yeah. And even tonight, Tavares, how many faceoffs did he lose? Two. Excellent faceoff, man. Yeah. Well, like you have to. You you can't move Tavares to the wing, and you also can't just load up that one line with all of that talent. You've got to spread it out. So to me, at this point, I think you're getting to a place where why not try Domi there, and then try to create some kind of a pure third checking line that is the you know Camp Yarncroc Gregor, and then go with if you're gonna like you said it, you're already not playing your bottom six forwards enough anyways, right? Yeah. So, so bump up the minutes of your third line and then go with a fourth line of the McMahons and the like a mismatch of guys that don't really work well together because what are you going to lose? Like you've, you've had an entire half a season at this point of the bottom six in some iteration of what we like see night in, night out. You don't trust Domi in hard minutes. And I'm just tired of looking down at the score sheet and seeing him with 10 minutes every single game and thinking something, what, what is going to change for you, Sheldon Keefe? Like what, what is going to change with Max Domi where one night you look at him and go, boy, even when he's playing well, right? Even when he's playing yeah. well, he's reluctant to play him in hard minutes down the stretch. So, oh, but yeah, Tavares, 12-2 and two in the faceoff that tonight. But so to me, that, that's the change I'm doing next in the like season-long audition for who gets to play with Marner and Matthews on the top line. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be opposed to seeing that experiment. I mean... I, he got the one shift there against Vancouver and it looked good. And that was kind of the first time where I went, Oh, that, mm-hmm. it's worth it. I mean, the puck won't die on his stick. I think that was probably the biggest issue with Pontus Holmberg is he would get chances. Even tonight he had one and it was just, it was honestly, it was yeah. a muffin of a shot and it wasn't you know, pretty. Yeah. But other than that though, I, I do want to give some props to Pontus Holmberg. I thought he was excellent tonight. He had mm-hmm. a really good shift uh, with about two minutes left 
to help close that game out where he turned the puck over at this crack and blue line. He got the puck in deep. He ate the clock. The Leafs spent about a minute in the zone there. Yeah. That really kind of salted the way the game away and made it a lot easier for them to ultimately close it out. I thought he was excellent. I thought that line was really good tonight. And I thought it was a good reminder. I know I know David Camps received a lot of heat this year, and some of it's entirely deserved. And he has to wear what's happened on the penalty kill to some degree as well, because he's a big part of that. But at five on five, you look at it. I know a common thing that we kind of hear around is, well, you know, he was really good with Pierre Engvall. Pierre Engvall made him. Mm-hmm. Um, Pierre Engvall is like an actual By the way, that's scholar. in your circles. That's not in my friend's yeah, circle. I've, I've never I, had a conversation with a friend of mine that's gone. Yeah. Pierre Engvall was yeah. great. <laughs> no, not same, same as well. I'm more, I'm more of talk the online yeah. world. Um, and so to one thing I want to kind of flag with that is, mm-hmm. look who Camp has played with this year. You know, Noah Greger was an unqualified free agent from easily the worst team in the league. And Mm -hmm. came here on a PTO. Nice, you know, decent enough player. He can skate and he can shoot, but he really doesn't do a ton. And he really hasn't done a ton for about a month now. Bobby McMahon cleared waivers. I like him, but let's just be honest about it. You know, he is, there are tons of players that are essentially offering what he offers around the league, which is like maybe take some shifts and every once in a while you do something okay. And you know, other than that, Ryan Reeves has been his line mate. At one point, he centered Matt, you know, Matthew Nyes and Max Domi on what was a really weird line when Domi yeah. was really bad on the wing. And those have basically been his line mates this year. They haven't exactly set him up for success in any capacity, right? And we hear, you know, Vancouver, we just saw them and they signed Pui Sutter and that kind of gets thrown out as the comparable. It's like he's playing with Ilya Mikheyev. Mm-hmm. Ilya Mikheyev is actually a really good hockey player. We, you know, Leaf fans are more than familiar with him. Like he's excellent. He is, yeah. <laughs> you want to talk about, you know, no one's talking about Pierre Engvall being good. <laughs> like if is head and shoulders above Pierre Engvall, you know, you wouldn't yeah. find anyone in the league that would take Pierre Engvall over Mikheyev. And so I just, they haven't really set up camp for success. Like I enjoyed watching that line tonight with what Holmberg was bringing and watching those two guys together I wouldn't say they were menacing, but I thought that they were they were detailed. I thought they spent yeah, a I good agree. chunk of time in in the Seattle zone, and it was to me it was kind of a reminder. It's like give this guy some players that he can actually play with. Yeah, I, I like that line too, and that's that's kind of what I'm driving at here is just just have the just yeah. have the kill the clock line, which yeah. is really what they they always were when it, whenever line campus had right. The goal scoring there is secondary. But you've got to try to find more goal scoring from the guys that you paid to create offense. And so that's why I'm trying to find more from Domi while also yeah. giving that line just that opportunity. Because you said it. If you're going to get shots from Pontus Holmberg, they're going to be muffins. They're not going to yeah. be threatening. Uh, David Camp is not going to be creating offense. And Yarncroc is someone who can do it a little bit in spurts, probably gets a little underrated sometimes. At, uh, but ultimately, like, what do you have? 20 goals last year, which was really nice for him. Yeah, right. yeah, first time ever, which was kind of... Yeah, but that's what I mean. He's not a 20-goal player. Like, no. he's someone who, at the end of the season, you're hoping ends up with, like, 14. And yeah. the, and you, that's that's great. You'll write home with that. I will say for camp, two things, a, pu- a plus and a minus. One is, he is on the ice for the one goal against, and it's because they can't kill a cycle. So yeah. that should be noted. Yeah. But for the positives... Leafs took two penalties to start this game tonight. And I went, oh God, yeah. they're playing well. And here we go, this bad penalty kill. And they gave Seattle nothing on both of those PKs. So yeah. 
good for them that they were able to actually establish like that. You again, I know Kraken bad. Not a lot of players flew all these different things at play, but should be noted that yes, I thought his game was very quality as well. All right, uh, Seattle do... really missed Vince Dunn on that power play. Yeah, I don't watch Seattle enough to be able to comment on that. That's a yeah. good thing. <laughs> I'm not watching ten o'clock tracking Vince Dunn power play notes, brother. I I don't have that one in the bag. Uh, okay, rapid fire time. Um, Chippy to start, and another example of the Leafs where they were doing a good job sticking up for themselves. But the the biggest one of it was Benoit really does give them some of that back there. And like he's not a trash talker, he's just kind of quiet. Oh, I like how Jobo already had this queued up, but like he finishes his checks, he hits hard, he's really not afraid, and he's a big body. And I, I really love having him back there. It's like it's he's such a good find for this team. I, I loved this hit because obviously there was the play with Timmons to start the game, and Tenev mm-hmm. was mouthing off, and Benoit jumped in there really quick on that sequence of events. And this hit, he totally did not have to do it. Mm-hmm. And and that hit was was like I saw what you did here, and yeah. I didn't like it. And <laughs> I like I'm giving you some extra English on this play just because of it. So I don't know. The Leafs have really missed that kind of gamesmanship for years now. I love that hit as well. Like you want to turn your body and drop a pass high, you deserve to get crushed. So mm-hmm. it kind of reminded me of the Mark Frazier hit on uh, Jeff Skinner way back in the one year that Mark Frazier had where he was good, where he just kind of you turn your body like that and open up. You should you know, be ready to, <laughs> you're on the train tracks at that point. Yeah. You're going you're to get hit. I, I think that you're seeing him though, be a little bit more confident with some of the hits that he's throwing, especially yeah. some of them that he's looking for in open ice. There's a guy who now knows like, okay, I don't just have to like, look at the guy that first arrived in Toronto, Benoit versus what he's doing right now. It was the ultimate, keep it simple, stupid. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. like that was his entire playbook. To now, he he's just he's able to do a little bit more. He looks like he's pretty comfortable knowing that he's going to be one of the six defensemen. Probably a little too important on this team, but still a, an important piece nonetheless. Um, I got to mention this, well, because he scored a goal and we haven't yet. But Nick Robertson scored, and yeah. I especially have to do it since our mutual friend Nick Richard, his Buffalo Bills lost in torturous way. So I'll give a little love to Nick, uh, a little love to Nick and uh, both Nicks, uh, Robertson and Richard. Uh, the goal was a good finish. Uh, he had another dangerous shot in the third period. Um, Got to say, though, I didn't notice him really at all outside of those <laughs> like those two moments in the game. What did you think of Robertson? I, I think it's another game where it's just kind of tough to evaluate him. This was a nice finish. And the second mm-hmm. that Domi took the pass here, I went goal. Right? Mm-hmm. Even before, he, you knew Domi was going to get that over somehow. And Great pass by Bertuzzi, too. Yeah, it was. He, he laid it in nicely. And... You knew that Robertson would finish because that's what he brings. I, I honestly was disappointed. That kind of goes back to some of the ice time mm. that we're talking about. Like these are these are games and opportunities to build guys up. And Robertson scores a goal. He has four in his last six. He's been healthy scratched, you know, in between those six games. And he comes out and he scores a big goal early on. You would think that that kind of earns you a little bit of not even I don't even want to say extra ice time, normal ice time. Like, you know, he mm. played under nine minutes tonight. And it's like, what do you want him to do? What what is what is the goal shots. here? What is the goal? Yeah, three shots. I want to say for Robertson tonight, at least three that I noticed, and, and a goal. Yeah. And he did that in under nine minutes. I mean, yeah. look, I have I have some issues with Robertson on the wall and how he breaks out and all sorts of things. But I don't That's know when good. guys are when guys are going and they produce and he's creating and and to me he came out hungry like he was on it. 
and trying to make plays. And I thought he was capable of doing that tonight. And he really didn't get much of an opportunity to, to really do it. I thought he cashed in on the opportunities he did have in terms of ice time. I mean, uh, so I just, I find that kind of disappointing. I will say again, uh, this is my disclaimer of being the Keith apologist. Just if Nick Robertson's on the ice for the game tying goal against the Leafs in a game that they need to win, um, screaming yeah. like I, I'm, I'm throwing things at the TV and I'm joining yeah. the chorus of just fire Keith in the chat. I'm not even showing up for the show tonight. I'm just going in the chat and being one of the people that writes fire Keith in there. Yeah. So it's just, I, I think you're right. It's like for a normal team in a normal situation, Tonight would be normal where you play guys minutes, or at least I would feel more apt to be critical of the coach for not trusting some guys. But the second that game goes to two, one and the Leafs are saying, okay, you let one of these things in and you're, you're, you're away from, even if you win it in overtime, it's another story about regulation wins and why can't you put this team away? And what is it about the scoring and all these narratives start to shift the other way. So if you're Keith, I'm just trying to get back to Toronto I want to go back to my place, my condo, yeah. I'm assuming my house in Toronto and say, I'm going to go to bed tonight knowing I played Mitch Marner 23 minutes against a crappy Kraken team. <laughs> we got the W and now I don't have to hear about this until Wednesday, you know? Yeah. So the, that's where the, I'm at with Keith tonight. The it just sucks side, because that has been his, also his trend yeah. for non-successes as well. So yeah, I get it. The The flip side that I'll just start, it's, it's if not now, then when, and then if not ever, then honestly, what's the point? Yeah. You know, what, what would it have taken for him to play more? Would he, you know, would three nothing, leave. Three, three or nothing? So you're yeah. kind of playing garbage minutes, and then what? What's he going to prove to you? Even if he plays well, you're gonna. We would sit here and have the same conversation. It's like, well, who knows mm-hmm. if the game was tight? Couldn't really play him then. So yeah, I don't know. You have to give guys an opportunity as well. And I don't think he's done anything sort of egregious to the point where you could sit there and go, absolutely not. There's just no chance that he can play. And I, you know, in the third period, you're right. Final 10 minutes. If he had him out there, I would have sat there and went, why is he on? But I think, you know, in the second period, even when it was two, one, you know, he leaned heavily on double shifting the top two lines and there could have been opportunities to sneak guys in Domi the same way. Like you're telling me Domi couldn't have taken offensive zone face off with Matthews and Marner at some point, you know, like there's opportunities. He just, he doesn't look for them, which I, I think it, it hurts them long-term because you're not building guys up. If you were on his staff right now saying this stuff, he'd be like, he'd be, he'd be pulling the eye mask over being like, I don't want to hear from you again. Maybe, but I think the counter argument is look what happens whenever you play good teams. You have two lines. It's not enough. I'm totally with you. It's something that we've been super critical of Keith the entire season on. And I think it it is a point. Uh, And again, if he starts to change this in different games, you give him credit, but I just, I don't see any signs of that changing anytime soon. I think it's going to be more balls to the wall, pedal to the floor, trusting the same guys. Like he had his quote about, I don't, I don't want to misquote him, but it was, I still don't know who I can trust. Right. Yeah. 41 games in the year. And you go, well, if you're 41 games in, I don't think that's going to change 55 games. I think that's going no. to be just a season long problem for the Maple Leafs until the trade deadline, which is going to make that interesting. Okay. Let's wrap this up. Anything else from you? Are you good? Yeah. One thing, just because I I had these clips all clipped up, is uh, is speaking of guys to trust or not, I I think TJ Brody really needs to to be discussed in in terms of how he's playing. And a lot of these coming up are going to be offensive clips where 
it was kind of what we talked about. Seattle collapsed a lot. They left the points wide open and a lot of pucks went to him by nature. He's playing with Morgan Riley and often the top line. So he's kind of the, you know, odd man out in, in the equation in terms of who's going to be left open. If a team's going to make a business decision, mm-hmm. it's TJ Brody and he has no goals on the season. I know that's not his main job, but you cannot also be inept on the point. And we're now into that territory where it's officially entirely problematic. So, you know, there was one shift where, and this is, this is a big one where the Leafs completely tilting Seattle here. Mm-hmm. And he just, that's, that's just a terrible giveaway there. At that point, the Leafs were up almost two minutes in the offensive zone. And you just, that's a freebie here. Plenty of time to make a play, literally anything, bump it down in the corner, anything. And it's, you skate it up, you make no decision, exit. And now you have Nylander playing defense and Larson rips a bomb. You know, again, better team score here. It's just, it's the same thing where they, again, possession off your own guy's shin pad out. Like these are really, really bad plays like really bad plays that are constantly leading to chances on counterattacks and on plays where he's wide open against tired guys that have been on for a minute plus when he has time and space to make plays. And I'm not even saying, you know, walk it to the middle and let like a bomb go because there's traffic in front. I'm saying just don't be terrible and yep. give the puck away. Yeah. Yeah. Those ones are bad. The The one where the Kraken have been pinned in. I think everybody on the ice, one member had been able to get off there. So it was like four guys on the ice for almost two minutes. That one was really bad, but I was too busy being mad at Nylander from before, but then he did the brilliant Nylander thing of like, he made the, like a very similar mistake, but then he's William Nylander. So he just took the puck and ripped back into the zone and just gained it effortlessly and then recreated the offense or got the offense rekindled. Uh, but yeah, I think that those clips are really good. Um, and that's something to keep an eye on with the Brody thing, because I think that often when he's criticized, it's him in transition looking slow, but it's like, yeah, how do you get to those plays is something that I think gets missed a lot. And it, and it happens with him on the offensive end. And, you know, that's especially startling to me um, because most guys who've played with TJ Brody and like Christopher Stieg is a guy I have on my show all the time. They would like universally when you get the book on like what he does well one of the things is people always say he walks the line well yeah he's completely stopped yeah and that's that's supposed to be something that is really very much in his repertoire smart player makes mistakes make has been prone to some big mistakes but seeing that one there where it's a couple plays where it's just him on the point the one off the opponent's shin pad that like i missed that one yeah, those are awful. These those those have to get cleaned up, especially again when you're in a tight game against a bad opponent that's just looking for a transition opportunity to tie this game. So yeah. good note. Good and note. Again, you see that kind of block that was up there too with it, right? Where it was counting to how much Seattle mm-hmm. was on the ice, and those guys were approaching a minute. And we talk about the Leafs not getting inside enough in this game, and that shift and that two minute one giveaway. Those are golden opportunities against tired teams. They set all their top guys out. You got to get something from it, and he's mm-hmm. actively giving seattle free passes it's just Mm. it's been all season i think with him Mm. so it's it's problematic when that's a guy that's on your top pairing yeah well we got something from you tonight anthony petrelli uh at a petrelli follow him on twitter um make sure that you read the column on maple leafs hot stove again there'll be one up tomorrow i'm guessing that it'll have that tj brody nugget in it like that's (laughs) i I guess it's that whole 
that will be featured probably. You got I might just timestamp this video yeah, and say, make that the just, note. Yeah, just you can just listen. have that in there. That'll, that'll be all right. Uh, yeah, fo- follow the show. Uh, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at JD Bunkus, at Sammy McKee, and then at, uh, at A Petrelli. Uh, shoot a follow on iTunes or on Spotify. Uh, that always helps people find the show, especially if you leave five stars. We always appreciate that. And the thumbs up on the YouTube. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. We will see you Wednesday with the returning key.